Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 17. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1 to 17. And I, I really want to talk to you today about how we're supposed to walk as Christians. Somebody say, at all of our locations, somebody say walk. Our walk is to be different. We are not of this world. We are different people. But there is an influence that is real over our lives. The scripture is very clear about this. There's the God of this world, the God who rules over this world. His name is Lucifer in the, in the, uh, in the scriptures. His name is Satan to us. He rules over this dark world. And he's got a way to live that's not our way to live. And it is the job of pastors. The reason why Ephesians 4 talks about pastors that Jesus gives to the church is so that you'll listen to them. Because a good pastor opens his Bible, preaches the word to you, tells you how to live that's going to be contrary to this world. But the influence of this world is real. It's strong. It's appealing. It's, it's always false advertising. It sells you one thing but delivers another. And I am seeing, and my heart goes out to the people who work in the industries of our culture today, who are Christians, it's harder more and more to stand, to walk straight, to consider yourself different from this world. It's, it's getting more and more difficult with the way this world wants to control you. I think we're seeing the rise of, of control over people's lives in our country. I've never seen this before. And it's more imperative than ever that the church be the church, be different, be light, be, be, be strange to this world because this world and its desires are passing away. But the one who does the will of the Lord shall endure forever. Can I get a good amen? amen. So we don't walk according to this world. The number one Netflix show of all time is called Squid Game. Maybe you've watched this. And uh, I can just imagine how many people are going to have that little stupid mask on for Halloween. Uh, it is the most downloaded, most watched show in their history. I turned it on with my wife and my daughter. We watched the first episode. I got as far as red light, green light, and the gigantic cabbage patch doll shooting everybody. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> Couldn't make it through. And to come to find out, somebody told me that it was the old guy, number one, who's running the whole game in the first place. There, I ruined it for you. You don't have to watch it now. <laughs> the influence of the game, the influence of the show, sorry, is real. Since the release of Squid Game, sales of Vans slip-on white shoes have skyrocketed 7,800%. The Duolingo app where we learn new languages, has seen a rise of 50% usage of the, of the language, to learn the language of Korea, to learn the Korean language. Social media has been flooded with recipes to make the Dalgonda or Dalgona candy a South Korean favorite. 111 million households, 111 million households have watched this show. That's kind of crazy that a show can have that kind of influence on our country. Uh, that's kind of nuts, but, but we have this influencing atmosphere. Even people on Instagram, they call themselves influencers. People want to influence you. And this is what the Christian message is. Don't be influenced. There's a, there's a word for it in Romans 12. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of your mind, you don't think like them. You don't live like them. You don't walk like them. And it's my job to help you understand what God has come to do, to give you a new kind of life. And we're going to get into this text here in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Stand with me for the reading of God's word. Here's what he says. And, and this, this passage, let me just tell you, this passage is a roller coaster. There's highs and there's lows. There's, there's glorious moments and then there's this is some difficult moments. So, so let's read it together. Here's what he says. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's, that's part of the high right there. That's 
that's the good stuff right there. Then verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. Another passage, another translation of this passage says, not even a hint, not even a hint of sexual immorality, impurity, or covetousness must be among you, as is proper for the saints. Let there be no filthy filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place but instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure who is covetousness who is covetous that is an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And this is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, expose through the light of your word the truth that transforms our hearts and makes us more like you. And help us to see Jesus. In his mighty name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Have a seat. One, one of the things that we've got to understand is that we are saved to live a different kind of life. And one of the things that keeps people from the Bible is this idea that the Bible and the church is all about rules and what you shouldn't do. And in this text... There's a lot of that. This text has a lot of what we shouldn't do, sexual morality, greed, covetousness, filthy talk, coarse joking, all kinds of things that, that are improper for us. And, and, and if we're not careful, we'll slide into something that, that that's, doesn't actually help us out, doesn't actually change us. It's called moralism. In other words, that, that all we do is we just adhere to a certain set of rules, but we never live from the heart for God. And the difference between religion and salvation could not be more clearly uh, expounded than in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Backing up in the, in the Bible book that we're in, Ephesians chapter 2, what does Paul say? He says, for by grace you have been saved, past tense, and this is not your own doing. I did not save myself. You did not save yourself. I always have to tell you to say, stop saying I found Jesus and start saying Jesus found me. Amen? He's the one who saved me, not my doing, not as a result of works. In other words, I wasn't becoming a better person. Then I got to this point where I was good enough and God said, okay, now, now I'll be good to you. No, that's not it. We were saved by his grace, not by our works. And we can't boast about it. What is the church? The church is full of a bunch of people who are saved by the grace of God and have nothing to brag about because everything we are is because of who he is. And then verse 10 turns, it turns, and I love the turn, because he says, okay, now that doesn't mean that you just sit there in the waiting room of heaven until you die and go and be with Jesus. No, 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 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, poema in the Greek. We are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for, next two words, everybody. Good works. There's things that we've got to do which God prepared beforehand. There's a pathway laid out for us that God has that we should, what's that word? Walk. Walk in them. Before we dive into this text with the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs and the do's and the do nots, we gotta remember that this is what it is to be in Christ. We are saved by grace through faith for what God has planned for us to do. It's not do, do, do and get. It's God has already done it. Now go live it. Write this down if you're taking notes because this is the foundation of all we're talking about today. Religion says do and you get. Salvation says you already got it, so live it. Religion says do when you get, and every other religious system on this planet says that. The five pillars of Islam, the thetas of the Hindu religion, the many ways in which you can become enlightened, 
Even America's favorite religion is the do good, be good religion. I'm a good person. I will go to heaven because I'm a good person. That's religion. Religion is a false idol wherein you get to boast about how good you are. That's why the religious people were the ones who, ob- uh, uh, were the ones who opposed Jesus the most. They thought they were good enough for God. Jesus says the law says you must be perfect as he is perfect. No one's perfect. That means we need a savior and Jesus is the one who was perfect for us and we could become perfect through the grace of Jesus Christ. And then he gives us his perfect righteousness as a gift so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see how bad you are. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, that's washed away all of your sin and he says accepted into the beloved adopted into the family a new creation in Christ Jesus and now I want you to live like that this is how we walk so point number one we walk in the love of God we walk in the love of God that's what he said there in Ephesians 5 1 to 2 didn't he we walk in God's love, not the world's adoration. The world's adoration is temporary and futile. Some of you are chasing love in this world, chasing followers and fans and likes. You're chasing the approval of your father, your mother, chasing the good life, chasing things that you think are gonna make you valuable. Here's the good news of the gospel, that when you were unlovable, God loved you anyway. That when you were evil and an enemy of God, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. This is the love of God displayed for us. The cross of Jesus is the love of God displayed for you. He's willing to die for you. I think that's the most empowering kind of love on the earth. Sacrificial giving love. And Paul says this now about that. Verse verse one of Ephesians five. Therefore be imitated. I want you to imitate this God. I want you to be like this guy. As beloved children, everybody take your hand over your heart, put it like this, and just say, I'm beloved. If you're in Christ, you are a beloved child. Walk in that love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That word fragrant offering and sacrifice refers to the Old Testament sacrifices that God would look favorably on the blood of the lamb. He would receive the blood of the lamb for the forgiveness of Israel's sins. And Jesus is the final lamb that laid down his life and shed his blood for us so that when his blood was sacrificed, God received it as a favorable, acceptable offering so that now everyone in Christ comes to God and is favored and accepted by God. That's the gospel. This is why we walk in love. Here it is, write this down, why? Because we are beloved children, purchased by God. Who am I? I'm a beloved child. My Father in heaven loves me. Amazing things can be done when someone knows they are loved. Amazing things can be done by people who know that they have received love. And then he calls his children. And we are called to imitate our father. Listen, the most natural person for a child to imitate is their parent. And so the question is, who's your daddy? You got one or, two, one or the other. You either got your spirit, the spiritual father of this world, the devil. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And you do what he does. You lie. You cheat, you steal, you're immoral, you're corrupt. The reason why you can't change the things that are in your heart, that's because you're just following your father. You're just imitating your father. But once you become adopted into the family of God, you've got a new dad. You got a new father. And I think about my father, I I got a great earthly father. And he taught me how to work hard. And he taught me how to love my wife. And he taught me how to raise my children. Some of you didn't get that. Can I tell you that the, the, the miracle of this house is the people who didn't get raised by Christian parents and yet you're in this house worshiping God and you're the one that's changing the trajectory of your descendancy so that you're going to reverse the curse of your parents because you're adopted into the family of Almighty God and now you're gonna create a legacy for your children 
My, my, my children, I, I watch them and they're in church right now and they're, they're serving the Lord right now. And my, my daughter sent me a birthday card in September and she put my gift out. She does this every year. She treats me better on my birthday than I treat her on hers. Of course, mine costs more. But nonetheless, she gave me a birthday card. I, I, I cherish the words in that card. I, I don't remember much. I don't remember what Hallmark put in the card, but I remember what she wrote in the card. Hey, when you give somebody a birthday card, don't just let Hallmark do the talking. Come on, write something down, all right? Don't be lazy. Anyway, she wrote it down and she said, thank you for teaching us to fear the Lord. My heart was full. I said, I didn't even realize I did that. But you know, the best thing you can have is someone who exemplifies the Father's love for you and your children are gonna become what you are and, and, and you're gonna become who your father is. And, and even if you had a horrible earthly father, you can have a godly, good, heavenly father who will teach you how to live and walk the way he wants you to walk. I think about the closeness, the, when you have a good father, there's no fear. When you have a good father, people run from God today. They run from God because they don't realize what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. They think it's rules. They think it's religion. They think it's be a good person. And that's why they run, because they can't be good people. And what it's not, it's not about being a good person. It's about being a rescued person. We are rescued by Jesus. He is our champion. He is our true David who killed our true Goliath with the sword of death and brought victory to the children of Israel. We are saved through Jesus Christ's fight. The, inti the, in the intimacy that God's love brings to us, the intimacy and, and the approachability of God, that's what we get in Jesus. We are beloved children purchased by God. And I think about this moment in my, in my parenting. I'll never forget, I was having dinner with my family and my son, Jake. He was about four at the time. And I had steak on my plate and he had, you know, something gross. And uh, he <laughs> wanted my steak and he's like, I want your steak. And I have a rule in my house. If it's on my plate, it's not in your mouth. Amen. And... Uh, <laughs> It didn't stop, Jake. You know, my other two, they were like, all right, Dad. My third one, I was tell you guys, you got to pray for this guy. you got to pray for this one. He told me he wants to be a preacher. That's good. I, he's going to need the Holy Ghost, man, I'll tell you. Anyway, he, he didn't let us stop him. He didn't let Dad say, no, stop him. You know, you know why? Because he's got boldness because he knows I love him. And he got down off of his high chair. And I didn't even see this, but he crawled underneath the counter, uh, underneath the table all the way to me. And he, like, pushed my leg aside from the table. And then he climbed up onto my leg and sat on my lap and went like this. <laughs> As I'm cutting this, and I'm like, who do you think you are? What? And I said, I'll never forget this moment. I said, what do you think gives you the right to do this? And he said, I'll never forget, he said, because you're my dad. Mmm, <laughs> that's good. You can have the whole steak. Let me tell you something, Christians. If you're in Jesus Christ, you've got the right, you've got the authority, you've got the permission to climb to your father's lap, to get up on his knees, to put your mouth open and say, feed me, Father, I need what you got. I'm so sick of the junk of the world being force-fed down our throats, force-fed this devil's coming into our homes, coming into our phones, coming into everything, trying to get into our spirits. The eyes are the lamp of the body. What are you putting your eyes on? Put your eyes on Jesus. Here's what it says in 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way he walked. Our pattern is Jesus, not this world. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It says we are being transformed from one, one, one degree of glory to another. That we might become more like Jesus. Who is our pattern? Who is our model? Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. I love those verses. We are God's children. Now, this is what every good parent knows. If you're my kid, don't tell me about what the other kids down the street are doing. I want to hear that. The, the, my, my, my kids tried to play that game. Well, the other kids did it. I don't care. You're my kid, and you're not their kid, and I'm not responsible for their kid. I'm responsible for you. So there are some things that God's kids don't do. There are some things that God's kids don't do. Verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness, they, are, they, they shall not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Now, this, this is one of those texts that, man, it's hard to preach because this, this is going to hit all of us right between the eyes. In fact, our political divide in this country is divided on this verse. I don't know if you know this. 
Our political divide is divided on this verse right here. Ephesians 5.3. Because on one end, he talks about sexual morality. Sexual morality. The, any kind of sex outside of man and woman for life in a covenant marriage is out of bounds, is not proper for God's people. And then he goes over to here. And he does something interesting, doesn't he? Because he, he goes right from sexual morality and purity. And by the way, impurity is um, any kind of attitude or atmosphere about it. And then he slides over to covetousness. And that talks about money and greed and wrongful desire and wanting things other people got. And he says, that's also not proper for you. And if you think about it, our political divide is divided right on that verse. On the political left, they say, no, 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 you can do whatever you want sexually. You can marry whoever you feel like it. You can name your gender. You can be whatever you feel inside because your feelings are the truest part of you. And so the best part, the best thing you can do for your life is just kind of embrace your identity and embrace who you feel you are inside. And we want to support that. We want to fund that. We want to give you permission to become more and more what you feel you are to be. But on the other side of the political aisle are the people who say, no, it's your money. It's, it's all about you. Get rich. Get more. Have more. Lower taxes. We don't want to take any. It's all you want. Taxation is theft. And it's all about you becoming rich. And we want you to never worry about yourself and anybody but yourself. And, and just have more. And that's really, if you think about it, the political divide. And this is why the Bible comes right down the middle and knocks both sides out. Because the Bible comes and says, no, it's not your body. And then the Bible comes and says, no, it's not your money. Both belong to God. Give them to him. Surrender them to him. And I imagine and I hope that there are people listening to me either on TV or on our campuses. And, and, and you're one of us. You're on one of the side of the other. And you're on the left or you're on the political right. And you just think, yeah, that, and you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid of our politicians. And what you have to realize is we are not aligned with a political affiliation that will, that will cater to our predilections on what we think is ours. We belong to our Father in heaven. And so there's a lot of rules in the scriptures about sex. There's a lot of rules because you know why? Because God knows that sex will destroy you. Sex is a beautiful thing. And I got news for everybody in this house. The devil did not invent sex. God did. God came up with the idea. He always comes up with the best ideas. Amen, amen. In fact, the first commandment of Scripture was about sex. Did you know that? The first commandment. Oh, really? Where's that in the Bible? I want to find that. Adam gets a wife, and he brings the wife to Adam, and he says, okay, be fruitful and multiply. In other words... Go out tonight, have some nice food, have a little wine, get in the bedroom, get busy. That was God's idea. The devil loves to take God's ideas and twist it. Because the devil can't come up with his own ideas. You know this. He can only twist what God has created. And he has really pulled the wool over America's eyes with this one. This, this country is obsessed with sex. And I want you to think about how many times you see on your television shows that you watch, how many sex scenes do you see? In fact, every time someone recommends a Netflix show to me, I immediately just skip 15 minutes because I know the first 15 minutes there's gonna be a naked woman or a naked man because there's some kind of weird sex thing because they know that that's how they grab you. And I think, how terrible does your entertainment offering have to be that you have to sell it with sex to get my attention? But that's the country that we're living in. That's the culture that we're living in. And we are getting streamed this nonsense into our houses 24 hours a day. Unlimited options to feed our minds with impurity and covetousness. And some of you have got to do something. You've got to start cutting that stuff off. 
Some of you parents have got to start putting re restrictions on your phones, on your Netflix account. You've got to cut this stuff up because your kids are that valuable. Your family is that valuable. Listen, husbands, your wife is that valuable to you. Wives, your husband's that valuable. And, and it's both ways today. It's, it's men with pornography, women with emotional pornography, romance novels, the stupid story that is in every single Hallmark movie. Every single Hallmark movie is the same stupid story. The girl's engaged to one dude. She goes out to the country, meets the guy wearing flannel and listening in the country, and she falls in love with that dude. And then they turn it into a Christmas movie by just putting snow on the set. It's the same stupid story. Which teaches you women that the man you got in your life, unless he's wearing flannel and listening to Keith Urban, he ain't worth that much. You're trying to get him to buy a red pickup truck and he's trying to buy himself a BMW. <laughs> and all that is is just a sign that we have adopted the culture of this country. We are not of this world. So pornography, adultery, homosexuality, big one today, homosexuality. Man, this has been forced down our throats. And the scriptures are very clear about, the scriptures are very clear about this. It incurs the wrath of God, even in this passage later. He's, it incurs the wrath of God. It's not how God created us to communicate, to, to, to participate in the sexual union. All these, all these limits, and, and a lot of people, and maybe you're watching me on television, and you think, this is, this is exactly why I don't like Christianity, right there, because of all the rules about sex, all the rules about how I'm supposed to treat my body. But you're seeing it totally wrong. You're seeing it totally wrong. Because I guarantee that the things that you value in your house, you got a whole bunch of rules about. In fact, if you ever bought a new car, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I think the greatest smell on earth is the new car scent. <laughs> I just love the, but how many know that that doesn't last very long? You know, you, independent on the number of kids you have is proportionate to the shortness of time that it stays smelly that way. And so you got all kinds of rules. Don't get in my car. I'm, I'm the only one in this car for the first month. At least give me that. You want to get in my car? Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. Where will we get the store? We'll figure it out. Just take your shoes off. Right? Because you value that. If, I, if you were to be able to go into the Louvre in, in Paris and, and steal the Mona Lisa, that's where she is, right? The Louvre? Yeah? Anyway, and you go in and you steal it, and you put her in your house, or somebody gives her, you put the Mona Lisa in your house, you know you'd be setting up stanchions around that thing. You'd be lighting it right, and you'd be like, don't anybody touch the Mona Lisa. Don't you eat in this room. This is the Mona Lisa room. Because she's valuable, because you value that artwork. Here's, here's what I want you to write down. It's not in your notes on paper. You're going to have to write this down on the margins. The more valuable something is, the more rules regarding its treatment. Here's what God says about sex. It's that valuable. It's that powerful. It's that potent. Think about sex can give you a child. In fact, that's what it's designed to do. But our country has turned sex into a commodity. It's turned sex into this... Um, economic system. You give me what I want and I will give you what you want. That's what pornography is. Pornography is the girl gives you her innocence and her nakedness, which really only belongs to one man. And the man gives, him, gives her the attention, the likes, the follows, the clicks, the money. Like the number one website on earth, I think right now, is OnlyFans. OnlyFans, where, where guys can select their preferred choice of lady and pay her directly with a small fee, of course, going to OnlyFans.com. And, and now that guy is making an economic exchange with her innocence and her, and her nakedness, and it's destroying young ladies. And it's shaping our culture. We, as a church, have got to categorically reject this outright in our homes. I can't worry about the kids down the street. I'm worried about our kids right here, God's kids, us, that we will say, as for our house, we will serve the Lord. This will not be part of our home. And adultery, man, I'll tell you, adultery is the number one way to lose both your kids and your children and your wife and your income. That's it. You want to destroy your life, just get into that environment. 
and, and, and all these things that God has said, look, don't do this. This is not free. It's improper. And then verse 4, look what he says. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. That's Ephesians 5, verse 4. And the word for foolish, this is kind of funny in the Greek, is morologio. Morologio. It's literally the Greek word we get the word moron from. But the word filthiness is actually referring to sexual talk. And here's the strategy of the devil. I want you to listen very carefully. If the devil can get you laughing about it, he can get you to do it. Because once you start laughing about something, you take it a lot less seriously. I remember listening to a preacher from the 1980s. His name was Adrian Rogers. He was a fantastic preacher. Probably, they used to call him the, the best preacher in, in the country. He's dead now with the Lord. But he once wrote this book. I read this book. God's Laws for the Family, I think it was the title, and uh, he shared this story about an ABC producer, an ABC television producer, this is back in the 1990s, who said that if a, if a television show wants to make it in, in the 1990s on television, it has to at least break six of the Ten Commandments. And then they got to get you to laugh about it, because once you laugh about it, then you don't take it seriously, and then you're more open to it. This is why Paul lumps sexual morality, covetousness, right next verse is filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. Because if you can laugh about it, you'll fall into it. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Instead, let, so don't just avoid this nonsense. Be thankful for, what's, for, for what God has given you. What are Christian husbands and wives to do? Be thankful that you've got them in your life. Rejoice over them, celebrate them. Just think about this, too. Think of the last time you ever saw a sex scene on television between a married man and woman. It's non-existent. Every single time the sex is illicit sex, outside of marriage sex, every single time. The most amazing love scenes are the people who aren't married. The most, the most fabulous romance to the people who aren't married. And it's, it's indoctrinating our country, our culture into this idea that that's the only kind of good sex you can have. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. I have a friend, Mark Gunger. He's a pastor in Wisconsin, and he does a lot of talk about marriage. He's been here a couple of times. We love Mark. We thank God for Mark. And he has a lot of ministry to men who are dealing with sexual addiction and sexual struggles. And he, told me this story. He's like, you know, every guy that I've ever, that I've ever ministered to or counseled that went on a, a, a promiscuous affair told him that it never goes right. The whole event goes miserably and it's over before the guy knows it and it's just a mess and it's just constantly, it's just, a, it's just nothing compared to what they imagine it to be with the right lighting and the light camera shots. That's what the devil does. He offers us this and he sells us crap. You gotta wake up to this. This is why Paul is so diligent about this. Don't be a part of this. Verse five, he gets even more stern because you may sure of it, be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or is an idolater, uh, that person has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. I mean, this is strong language. This is those, these are those verses that, that people don't like. They wanna avoid these, but these are life-giving when you think about the words, anyone who is sexually immoral. Notice it's the people who are that way. It's not talking about Christians who struggle, because every Christian struggles. Every Christian struggles with the temptations of the world, the temptations of lust and greed. Every Christian struggles with these things. My question to you today is, are you struggling with it or are you sold out to it? Because there's a difference. You're sold out to it when you're not repentant, when you don't want it out of your life, when you're not praying it out, when you're not seeking God's will, seeking God's rescue. There's a complete difference. Uh, and what he's saying is, look, those, those people who are engaged, that's their def definition, that's their lifestyle, that's who they think they are. They are not part of this family. You are. And then verse 6, I love it. Let no one deceive you with empty words. There's a lot of deception about sex. There's a lot of deception about greed in our world. And he says the wrath of God comes upon people because then don't be partners with them. In other words, don't participate with them in this life. You understand that when you give your attention to this nonsense in our culture, you are becoming partners with them. And you got to cut this stuff off, cut these relationships out. 
horrible costume. I think about the Old Testament. There was a guy named Lot, and Lot had a problem. He wanted Sodom to love him. He wanted Gomorrah to love him. And, and the scripture says that when he and Abraham had an argument, Abraham said, you go your way, I'll go my way. And Lot looked on the fertile plains of Sodom and saw what it could offer him, and he went and lived in Sodom. And then before you knew it, it wasn't that Lot was living in Sodom, it was that Sodom was living in Lot. And God comes and rescues him through Abraham, and Abraham fights off five kings and rescues Lot out of it. And you would think, okay, Lot, now get your life right. But before you know it, he's back in Sodom. And the scripture says he's sitting at the gates when the angels show up. And the gates of Sodom, the gates of the ancient cities, were places of governance. Here's what happened to Lot. He didn't just become part of Sodom. He became part of the government. And the, and the angels have to come. Abraham rescued him one time. Second, the angels came and rescued him the second time. Brought him out. And, and as he tried to get his young sons and, and, and wife, uh, daughters and sons out of that house, the Bible says that his, his son-in-laws son mocked him and thought he was joking. And, and the angels literally had to pull him away from his family and pull him away from some. And as he's leaving the city, the fire rains down. By the way, there is just a discovery about the fact that the, the, there was a cataclysmic uh, burning of the ground where they believe Sodom and Gomorrah is. This was just revealed a couple of weeks ago, which again, once again, archaeological truth finds out that the Bible is true. But as he's pulled out, the scripture says that his wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. And Lot lost his children and his wife and his, and his whole environment because he was hooked on what the devil had sold. And this is the rescue mission of Jesus for some of you today. You're going to lose if you keep going down this line of thought. You are going to lose your marriage. You are going to lose your peace. You are going to lose your future. If you keep trying to walk down these paths, we are not of this world. Amen. So that's the low part of the roller coaster ride of this verse. Now we're going to take another ride up on the tracks. First point two, we walk in the light of truth. We don't just walk in the love of God, but we walk in the light of truth. Here's what he says in verse eight. He says, for at one time you were darkness. Yeah, 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 that was where you were. And, and, and Jesus comes in and he changes what you want and changes what, you, what works for you. And then he says this, now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Now, now why do we walk in the light of truth? Write this down. Because we are light in the Lord. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I thought Jesus was the light of the world. He is and in him, we, the church, are the light of this world. First Thessalonians 5.5, 5, for you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Now, now what you have to understand is light in the scriptures is a picture for truth. Write this down. Light equals truth. The scripture says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. Scripture says in Psalm 119.30, the unfolding of your word gives light. When we hear truth, it brings light to our lives. It brings understanding. And I think about this. You know, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but <laughs> we're just around the corner from you know, daylight savings coming to an end, and it's going to get darker earlier. I always hate that. Make daylight savings permanent. Amen. Hashtag that, right? Okay, anyway. Light is a benefit to our lives. Wherever you have light, you have truth. And this is, this is what is the reason why people who are under the bondage of the devil, they don't want to hear the truth because it exposes the darkness in their heart. In fact, that's what Jesus says in John chapter uh, 3. He says, people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. But when anyone comes into the light, his works are exposed so that what he has done may be seen clearly. In other words, that when you love light, when you love truth, you love light and exposes the things of your life that need to be cleaned up and, and, and eradicated. Have you ever come home to your house at night and you walk in and you think it's clean and then you turn the lights on? <laughs> and you're like, oh, turn the lights back off. I like it better that way. What does light do? It exposes all the things that need to be cleaned up. That's what light does. Here's the difference between non-Christians and Christians. Christians like to turn the lights on so they can clean it up. Non-Christians want to keep the lights off. 
And this is why you will always have this friction relationship with non-believers. Because listen, your presence brings light and it exposes their darkness. This is why they will never really be your friend. You gotta stop trying to be their friend. They won't be your friend. You can love them and you can serve them and you can be generous to them and you can do what Christ does. Love your enemies. But ultimately there will never be harmony because you're a child of the light. Now I think about the natural light, the sun. And I always like to think that the natural order speaks to the spiritual reality. So I want you to write down some things today about the benefits of the sun slash sun. S-U-N-S-O-N. Benefits of the sun slash sun. Did you know that the sun improves sleep? If you get enough sun in the day, your melatonin levels are adjusted in your brain so that you know when to go to sleep and when to wake up. Well, the scripture says in Psalm 3, verse 5, I lay down and slept and I woke again for the Lord sustained me. Some of you can't sleep at night. You need more of the truth. In fact, if you can't sleep, I'll tell you something. The devil loves to play with me all the time about this. He likes to keep me up worried, worried, stressing, stressing about this church, stressing about life, stressing about my kids, stressing about my whole home, my family, and I can't sleep. And I have learned a trick, and you got to learn. That 40 years of living, this will give you a trick. I'm, I'm saving you 40 years of grief. Here it is. When you can't sleep, you get up in your living room, and you open your Bible, and you just start reading. And the devil's just like, ah! Because he wanted you to get up and watch Squid Game. That's what he wanted. You want to watch it's another episode. Come on. You get up, you read the Bible, he's going to be like, oh, leave this guy alone. Leave this sucker alone. And I'll tell you, it puts you to sleep. Like, and especially if you, really, if you need deep sleep, go to Leviticus. Amen? Just go to Leviticus. You know, take one bird, sacrifice it, pour the blood over that bird, let that bird free. What on earth? Benefit number two, it reduces stress. The sunlight provides vitamin D, which harmonizes our endorphin level and our serotonin level so that, so that we have a less stressful experience. You gotta get out and walk. I've been talking about this a lot lately. You gotta get outside and walk and get under the sun. First Peter 5, 6, the word does this. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at the proper time, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Number three. Number three, uh, reduces stress. Uh, number three, part of the light, it strengthens your bones. That's because the sun provides calcium to your body. God does that through his word. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8, do not be wise in your own eyes. Turn away from evil. Get out of this stuff. It will be healing to your flesh and it will be refreshment to your bones. You'll be a stronger Christian the more truth of God you get in your life. Number four, the sun actually helps you lose weight. Did you know this? <laughs> because when you get out under the sun, you don't sit still. The sun actually makes you move. Start walking. And I thought, well, there's no Bible verse about losing weight. But there is this Bible verse in Psalm 18:29. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. How many know nobody chubby can leap over a wall? Come on, somebody. So when God comes in and makes you strong, you can start leaping some walls. <laughs> Number five, I'll move on fast right there because this is America. Okay, number five, it strengthens your immune system. Again, vitamin D, the sun, gives you strength against what's harmful. Deuteronomy 7.15, the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you knew will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all who hate you. In the 1980s, a couple of doctors, one, one, name, one was named S.I. McMillan. And they wrote a book on that verse, based on that verse, called None of These Diseases. You should, it's a quick read. You should read it. And they talk about, they're medical doctors, and they talk about how many verses of the Old Testament, if you just followed them, they would make you healthier. Your diet would change. And then it gets into spiritual things, because one of them was a psychologist, and, it, and, and the one that was a psychologist, 60 to 100% of the time, 60 to 100% of the time, the people who are struggling with hypertension, heart disease, and other major illnesses are doing so because they have bitterness, they have resentment, unforgiveness, and anger in their hearts. And if they can just release that, hypertension gone, stress gone, relaxing in the presence of the Lord. Number six, the sun fights off depression. Psalm 1611 you made known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You know why you got to get out in the sun? Because the sun gives you the happy vitamin. Again, vitamin D. 
Here's the spiritual vitamin D. Are you ready? Discipline in the word. Getting your heart in the scriptures. Getting your heart in God's word. And then lastly, number seven, longer life. Psalm 91.16, that he will satisfy us with long life. I think about that verse a lot, Psalm 91, verse 16, because a lot of people live long lives and they're not satisfied. If I'm gonna live long by God's grace, I wanna get to the end of it and say, that was good. How do I do it? The scripture starts, he who abides under the shadow of the Almighty, right, will rest there. We, 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 we gotta be under the Lord, under the sun. So verse, back to Ephesians 5, verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. You gotta show your kids, families, moms, dads, you gotta show your kids what pornography is doing to our country. You gotta show them the lies of this age. You gotta get them to our Elevate program and let Isaiah preach to them on their level and bring them to Jesus. I thank God for our young leaders in this church. You saw them up here this morning. You see them at all of our locations. And in Florida, we're starting an Elevate program at the end of this month. We want your young people to come in and receive the word of life. And we're gonna expose the darkness so that they can enjoy God's light. Number three, and finally, we walk wisely in the times. We're gonna walk wisely. I did a series of messages in the summer on wisdom. I highly encourage you to go back and watch those messages because this world is becoming so foolish. It's a nation of fools because when you keep the lights off, you don't know what's up and what's down. What does Paul say in verse 15? Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I've given you a reason for all of these points. We, we walk in love because we are loved. We walk in the light because we are light. And we walk in wisdom. Here's why. And last, last thing I want you to write down. Because we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. <laughs> And somebody said, I don't, I don't know what I should do. I don't know where I should go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you talking to the Holy Spirit? Because he's right there with you. And if you're in Christ Jesus, the temple of the Holy Spirit of God has come in and taken residence in your body. Not so that you can just feel the Holy Ghost goosebumps. Not so you can have this emotional lift. No so that you can walk wisely, so that you can expose what's right, wrong, and wrong in this world. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And verse 18, do not be drunk. We'll get into this next week. Do not be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Could it be that some of you are still struggling with the same garbage for the last 10 years because you have not turned off the faucet of filth in this world and have not yet opened up your life to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. You gotta turn one faucet off and open the other one up. I'm telling you, your future depends on it. Your peace depends on it. Your fruitfulness in life, in all things, depends on it. Stand with me for a moment. All of our locations give you an opportunity in this moment to say yes to Jesus. With your, bow, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment, just right where you are at all of our locations, because this is, this is the real moment, friend. You've got to come out of this world. And I, I feel like I'm talking to many people in all of our locations, and I just got this image in my head for you that there are some of you, and you are standing on the edge of a cliff and you can see the drop before you and you feel like someone's pushing you, pushing you over that cliff. It's the God of this world, he hates you. He's hated you since you were born because you represent the image of God. You represent the creator. You represent everything he rebelled against. And he wants to, if he can destroy you, he can claim you. But I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like 
this morning, the Lord is just reaching out his arm and I want you to feel it. He's putting his arm on your shoulder and he's pulling you back from that disgrace. He's pulling you back from that cliff. He's pulling you back from the edge of destruction and he's turning you around and he's showing you that he wants to be your father. He wants to be your, your, your Lord. He wants to be your savior. And most important, he wants to be your best friend. Will you turn? This is your moment to turn. This is the day of salvation. With your head bowed and eyes closed at all of our locations, if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer that surrenders your life to Jesus. And you can say it quietly, but say it from your heart, right where you're standing with your head bowed and eyes closed. Repeat after me if that's you. Say, Heavenly Father, today I turn to you and I repent of my sins. Forgive me through Jesus Christ, your son. I surrender my life to you. Have your way with me in Jesus' name. Now, if you just said that prayer, it's the best decision that you've ever made. And we want you to do one more thing. We don't want to embarrass you, but with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, if you said that prayer, I want you to look at me and shoot your hand up. I just want to acknowledge you right across this room. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you back there. I see you back there. You can put your hand down. I see you over there. Anyone else? I see you front row. Anyone over here? I see you way back there. I see a lot of people going to heaven now. Welcome to the family of God. Let's worship one more time. Don't go anywhere. We have prayer warriors that are going to be up here right after this song. And we have our connect class going on right after this song. Hey, hey Chris. Hey, Tim. This is the guy. If you raise your hand. Yes. If you raise your hand. Listen, this is serious now. Don't just do the motion. Take the next step, baptism. This is the guy you wanna talk about. And I, I don't want you to wait until you're ready. And I don't want you to wait until you feel like you've lived a good life to get there. No, we get baptized to declare no more. I surrender, Jesus is Lord, and I'm walking after him. Amen. Tell him how easy it is. It's so easy. We have our class next Sunday after the 9.30, or you can hit me up anytime during the week. I'd be happy to give you a personal class and baptize you right in here. Amen. Amen. Amen, that was worth it. Yeah. Come back. God bless, guys. Can